Hey, welcome to episode number 198 of the podcast, More Than Bread. And I just want to take a moment again and say thanks to those of you who are joining me on this journey. To those of you who have been with me since the beginning of the podcast, when when we started with a 40-day read through the New Testament, to those who are just getting started, thanks for tuning in. The title of this podcast comes from a declaration made more than once in both the Old Testament and the New Testament about the value of the words of God. The declaration, we need more than bread, which for the people of biblical times was the core of their meal. We need more than bread for life. We need every word that comes from the mouth of God. For some of you, this is the day after Thanksgiving. You're still digesting. For some of you, it's your Thanksgiving or maybe even the day before. Now, if this podcast is a meal, it's not a fancy Thanksgiving meal. You're not getting the fine china or fancy food presentations, right? You understand that. It's more like turkey stuffing and gravy on paper plates or possibly got to add in Lynn's corn souffle and cheesy potatoes because it's not really Thanksgiving without that. But but you get it. This podcast does not have background music, multiple voices, or sponsors. Just me and the Bible and hopefully the Spirit of God because, and if you've been with me long enough, you can almost say this with me, when the Spirit of God breathes life into the people of God through the Word of God, man, thriving is at hand. So we're in Paul's letter from prison to his friends at Philippi, the prison letters, the letters of Paul from prison. And and you know, as I've been studying through Paul's letter, this particular one, thinking about his context and and to some extent thinking about mine, I find myself in the last chapter of my life. Now, I'm hoping it's a long chapter, but if there are three acts to my life, I'm, I'm in act three. And so I think even more about finishing well than I have before, and I thought about it before. And and I think Paul's words in Acts 20, 24 were a life challenge for him to, to finish well. And I can just see him writing these words in his journal. He He writes, but none of these things, none of these troubles, none of these difficult circumstances move me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself nor do I count my own life as dear to myself. In other words, I count my life as dear as as for the purpose of others so that I may finish my race with joy. He wanted to finish well. And finish finishing well meant finishing his race with joy. So in this episode, we're going to take some time to ponder finishing well, and in fact, finishing well with joy. We're, we're still in chapter one, but I'm adding some verses. So we're actually making movement. We've got a little bit of traction. But listen to Philippians 1, 3 through 11 from the New Living Translation. Paul writes to his friends at Philippi, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You you share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and, and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. And so I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you can live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much praise and glory to God. 
This Paul, who wanted to finish well and was certain that God would finish what he started in him and in his friends in Philippi, is praying a finishing well prayer for his friends. Here at the beginning of Philippians, John Ortberg writes, the capacity to finish well is what the New Testament writers call endurance or perseverance. Any truly meaningful human accomplishment will require perseverance. When I think of perseverance, one of the people I think of is my big grandma. She was my dad's mom. We called her Big Grandma. Out of all the grandma names that Lynn could have chosen, Big Grandma was not one that she would even consider. But we called Grandma Big Grandma, partially because my other grandma was little, so we had little grandma and big grandma, but also because Grandma Nold was just big. I mean, she was larger than life. She's this big German lady, not not overweight, but just big. She had this way of smiling and putting the fear of God in you all at the same time. When I did her funeral service, perseverance was the word I focused on as we celebrated her life. And Man, I just think of all she went through in 90 years of living. She died, a, I don't know, a decade ago. She didn't give up during the Great Depression. She, she didn't give up during a world war. She didn't give up while raising five kids, mostly by herself because Big Grandpa was an alcoholic. She didn't quit her job at Grumman Plane Factory, even though she was one of very few women working in a man's world, and she took a lot of abuse for it. She never gave up on her husband. In 1973, after 30 years of alcoholism, he stopped drinking and she opened her life back up to him. She just never gave up. I mean, it's it's not surprising that she lived to 90. I almost almost half expected her to get back up during the funeral. But somehow, somewhere, she found a way. She found the power. She found the courage to live out Paul's charge. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. Listen, it's not enough to just finish the race. Everyone finishes the race. We finish the race and we celebrate with a funeral. Everyone finishes, but not everyone finishes well. Paul wanted to finish well. He wanted to finish with joy. We mentioned this before, the Bible talks an awful lot about joy. In fact, it would be easy to argue from the Bible that joy is at the very heart of God's plan for humanity. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Overflowing joy. Joy that just gets people saturated with joy when you stand next to them. You know, perhaps few things are more essential for the life we long to live than the essential of joy. Unexplainable uncontainable, contagious, and outrageous, overflowing joy. A joy was a favorite topic for Paul. In, in a moment, we're going to look at part of Paul's letter to his friends at Philippi, and, and few books of the Bible focus more on joy, perverse, than the book of Philippians. But, but this book on joy, remember, was written by a guy in prison, a guy in chains, a man in a situation that we would not necessarily define as joyful. And this was not his first troubling experience, right? We've already hit upon that. But, But when Paul says, always be joyful, his words have the power of incarnated truth. They've become real in his life. It's not just something he's speaking about. It's something he's experiencing. So when Paul writes in Acts 20, but none of these things, none of these troubles move me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy, man, his words just arrest me. That's what I want. I think what we all want. So listen to his words. And we find that if we want to finish well, it it takes a partnership. Remember, 
Remember his words, I thank my God every time I remember you and all of my prayers for you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, if we want to finish well, it takes a partnership. If we want to finish well, it takes a partnership. I've shared my blue shirt story before. It's not my blue shirt story. It's the the blue shirt story. Steve Spila actually tells a story about how he had to run a marathon 26 miles under three hours and 30 minutes in order to qualify for the Boston Marathon. He was 50 years old at the time, and the Boston Marathon was one of the those bucket list dreams for him. The Boston Marathon is a kick-the-bucket list item for me. I'd rather run the Boston Marathon after I die than before I die. But but Steve was running this qualifying marathon, and he's doing okay. He was on pace until he hit mile 21, where he hit the proverbial wall. Four times before when he had hit the wall, it, it defeated him. And, and he thought, here I go again. He, he was starting to get discouraged, you know, legs like lead, ready to quit, when this younger guy in a blue shirt passed him. Not fast, but steady. Steve says, so I just, I latched onto him. I latched onto the blue shirt, not, not, not physically, but, you know, visually. And I let him pull me along. He set his sights on the blue shirt and 45 minutes later, he crossed the finish line. He crashed on a bench with a grimace as he pulled his watch to his face. Three hours, 25 minutes, 21 seconds. He made it. And as he looked up, he saw Blue Shirt, and so he yelled, hey, Blue Shirt. And Blue Shirt thought he was maybe a little bit crazy, but he came over, and Steve said, man, thank you. Thank you for pulling me through miles 21 through 26. I would not have made it without you. Blue Shirt smiled back and said, thank you for pulling me through miles 17 through 21. I wouldn't have made it without you. Steve said it reminded him of the Christian life. You're cruising along steady and secure. When something happens, you lose something, something breaks, you start to fall off the pace, you start to give up, and then a blue shirt comes along, and they partner with you in the race. And so my question just simply is, who's your blue shirt? Who who is it that's running in the same direction as you? A partner whose run can encourage you, someone whose direction in life can help you set your eyes on Christ. And, And for whom are you being a blue shirt? Who is watching you for encouragement? Who around you needs encouragement? My, my blue shirts have been people in, in my family, people, friends, people in the Calvary family, and, and a handful of others who encourage me when I'm ready to quit. There's been people in my life that have reminded me that we're living for a great purpose, reminded me that, that this is God's work and what he starts, he'll finish. Because it's not only a partnership with each other, right? It's a partnership with Christ partnership with others and, and partnership with Christ. And, and can I, I just remind us of something? Christ was a finisher. In John 17, 4, he, he said to his father, God, I've finished the work which you've given me to do. Now, Paul was, was convinced. He, he placed his confidence in the fact that what Christ had started in him would be brought to completion. Christ is a partner who will finish well. A few years ago, someone shared with a message shared a message with me that they felt God had put on their hearts. And this week I came across it again and felt that it was for us now. God's word to us right now. This person said, Pray for awareness. This is the word that God gave them. Pray for awareness that my people will recognize the source of the storm they find themselves in. 
It's a storm started by the father of lies. He's sending a message of deceit, and the lie he is perpetuating is this. It's time to give up. He goes on to whisper, you've tried everything. Just give up. You've tried so hard to do the right thing, and it made no difference. Just give up. It's no use. Give up on the person you've been praying for. Give up. Give up on the on the relationship you've been trying to reconcile. Give up. Give up on that sin or habit that you long to conquer. Just give up. And in the midst of the lie is one more subtle but deadly temptation. Give up on Christ. Don't do it. Don't give up on Christ. Pray for the courage and the strength to press on. Pray that Christ's followers will get a glimpse of the price he paid for them to come home to the Father so that they too will not give up on others who desperately, so desperately need to come home as well. See, it's a partnership with Christ and and with each other that gives us the grace to finish well. And so we pray together to Christ for each other and, and with each other. It's Paul's finishing prayer. For them, for all of us, Paul sets up his finishing well prayer with these words. He he writes, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's setting up the prayer, but really it's the first request of someone who wants to finish well. We pray, God, would you give me the affection of Christ? Would you give me the heart of Christ? Would you give me the affection of Christ? I like that word affection. The Greek word for affection is splangnon, and it literally means a sensation in your guts. It's a gut-level affection. Just like we speak of heartbreaking, head-spinning, or gut-wrenching feelings today, not just silent tears, but groans of anguish, heartbroken compassion, a, a yearning for people. Would the people around you say that that describes your heart? She longs for us. He, he prays for us with that kind of heart. And here's the prayer. Paul says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Abounding love. So pray. I'm praying for an abounding love. If we finish well, we'll be more in love with Christ and each other and the world around us than we were at the beginning. We'll be more in love at the end than we were in the beginning. Do you hear what that means? What that means is that you don't love as well now as you hope to love next year. And then as we grow in love, we gain knowledge and insight and and we become focused on his best. That's the prayer. It's it's not about our best. If we want to finish well, we must keep our focus on his best. His best for us as individuals and his best for us as a church. We need to understand how he has shaped us individually and, and as a congregation to do good, to make a difference in the world around us. And if we do, we'll live a life filled with fruit. Right? We'll be fruitful. That's what God wants. Jesus said in John 15 that he chose us so that we would bear fruit, fruit that remains. In other words, we'll make a difference. We'll leave a legacy. That's part of finishing well. More in love with Jesus, more in love with others at the end than we were in the beginning. And, and having a sense of leaving a legacy, continuing to make a difference in the way that God has shaped us, is, it's what finishing well is all about. And then every time someone remembers us, They'll tell God, thank you. (laughs) 
In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul writes, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's all about seeds. It's not just about money. It's about seeds. You you may not know this. You may, but every apple has five seed pockets called carpels. Most apples have one or two seeds in a carpel, so five to ten seeds in an apple. Regardless of that, anyone can count the number of seeds in an apple. But you know what? Only God knows how many apples there are in a seed. You know what gives me joy? God has started something in your heart. He started something in our hearts. He's he's planted some seeds. And as a result of those seeds growing up in our heart, in our space, in our mind, in our soul, as a result of that, you've helped him plant more seeds in other hearts, in, in the hearts of your neighbors and family and co-workers and classmates and friends, seeds of faith and seeds of love and seeds of hope and seeds of joy. It's all about getting started and and then letting God grow the harvest of a people whose hearts are shaped like the heart of Jesus, a people who will not let their good deeds be, be hidden. Instead, they'll be like a city on a hill whose light cannot be hidden, a people who, who love courageously and give sacrificially, a people so filled with joy that in even the most difficult of circumstances, it draws the world like a magnet to the Jesus who loves them with all his heart. You know, when you look back over your life, when when we look back over the life of Calvary, we, we can put a number to all that we did. Number of dollars given, number of people baptized, number of hours served, number of sites started, number of people being sent. But what if everything we gave, everything we did was nothing more and nothing less than a seed? And we can put a number to the seeds that we've planted But only God can put a number to the apples that he will bring from the seeds that we planted to his praise and glory. Father God, I pray for each and every person listening. God, would you put it in our hearts, no no matter what the age is, would you put it in our hearts to finish well, to finish our race with joy? Would you help us to not count our lives as dear to ourselves? But instead, would you give us an affection for Christ and and an abounding love for each other. God, would you help us to to prioritize our lives and to do the things that you think are a priority? Would Would you help us to plant seeds? Would you help us to be fruitful? God, I pray for the seeds that have been planted, seeds of joy and hope and love, seeds of grace and forgiveness. God, would you grow those seeds into a harvest of righteousness, to a harvest of peace, to a harvest of people in our neighborhoods coming to know you, Jesus. Would you pour out your spirit upon us, give us your grace, and help us to finish well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.